Dear Eyes on Conservation, this is Greg, reaching out to you with a special co-host on this bonus episode of Eyes on Conservation, Matthew Podolsky. How you doing, Matt? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing quite well, sweating here in my warm closet, and we're not even in the summer months yet, so I can't wait to see where this goes. Yeah, you're going to need an air conditioner for that closet, I think. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm just going to have to sit on a block of ice or something. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just not going to be comfortable. That's just how it is. So Matt has been hard at work producing a series called Common Land, and season two of that show just got completely derailed by COVID-19. What happened? Our first episode of season one, uh, we did share as an, a bonus episode uh, of EOC, I think back in January. Um, and so we produced that first season, which I had been working on for um, for a long time, over a year. Um, I, I was working on that first season of Common Land. And, and the concept behind the show is that each season is a deep dive into the science, history, and politics behind the creation of a different protected area. Um, so national parks, monuments, uh, the area that we focused on in season one is a national conservation area. And uh, we had a plan for our second season of the show to be focused on the Appalachian Trail, which is a protected area. It's a very thin uh, band of protected land that stretches 2,200 miles from Georgia to Maine. It is a uh, national scenic trail. It's part of the National Scenic Trail System, which is managed by the National Park Service. Um, but our start date for uh, this trip, right? And I mean, so the concept, if I take a step back here, the concept behind this second season of the show was we weren't just going to produce a season of common land about the Appalachian Trail. I was planning on through hiking the entire trail uh, with my mom. And we were going to sort of tell the story, you know, through the lens of, uh, you know, a couple folks that are actually making an attempt to hike this long distance trail uh, all the way through. Matt, yeah, you had your your bags packed. I mean, you had everything. You had clean underwear lined up next to fresh toilet paper. You were ready to hit the trail. You were you were all but in the car on the way, and then boom, lockdown. Yeah, so we were uh, ten days away from our start date when we finally you know made our decision to postpone. Um, so yeah, we were supposed to start on March twenty seventh, and uh, it was the seventeenth. Um, when we made that decision um, that we had to postpone. And that was done in response to, you know, this organization that manages the Appalachian Trail, the Appalachian Trail Conservancy, uh, putting out a statement, uh, essentially uh, strongly encouraging everybody to stay away from the trail, all hikers, through hikers, day hikers. Um, so, yeah, and, you know, I, uh, that sort of announcement, right, um, for us, you know, we were sort of like eagerly anticipating the start of this trip, um, but also, you know, watching all the updates coming in and we were, you know, following uh, the spread of COVID-19, um, you know, very closely because we had this concern that it was going to affect the trip. Um, and then when, you know, when the Appalachian Trail Conservancy came out, you know, with this guidance strongly discouraging anybody uh, from getting on the trail. Um, I mean, it was, it was a relatively easy decision for us to postpone, even though it was painful and difficult because lots and lots of planning had gone into this. Um, 
it, it, at that point, right, it wasn't a super difficult decision. But, you know, I was curious about what that decision was like for folks who had already started their trip, right? Because some people start in January or February. Um, and there are people that were hiking the Appalachian Trail that had already hiked hundreds of miles, um, <laughs> you know, and were over a month in to their trip. Um, and then to, you know, to be at that point, you know, and to be in that mental state and then to be told that you have to get off trail and you have to end your journey. I just, I was trying to like put myself in that headspace. And so that was kind of the inspiration, uh, behind this episode. Yeah. Yeah. And I can imagine too, if you've already kind of like, if, if you haven't left yet, there's a little bit of a godsend that you can just, okay, stop and we'll replan. We can renegotiate. But if you're in the middle of this trip, it's almost like being placed in a little bit of purgatory, not being able to, to finish, you, you know, you can't really go back. I mean, yeah. Well, tell, tell us a little bit more about what we're going to listen to today. Yeah. So basically, you know, the, the piece starts out by sort of exploring like my personal motivations uh, to do this trip, to do this through hike of the Appalachian Trail, as well as my mom's uh, personal motivations um, to do the trip. Um, and then we just kind of explore like what happened, you know, uh, how this very unexpected um, situation, you know, led to us having to postpone the trip. Um, and then I kind of delve into sort of exploring this question of like, what was this like for folks that were already on the trail um, that were already, you know, not, not just people who are on the trail. You know, we also have uh, uh, an interview with a woman who was the caretaker for um, a hiker hostel um, along the trail who was interacting with lots and lots of through hikers and getting perspectives from lots and lots of different people that were already on the trail and who were sort of struggling with this information about the spread of COVID-19 and struggling with their decision about what to do if they should continue their hike or not. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then we sort of close it out with, um, you know, this just sort of, a uh, an, an assessment of like where people are now, you know, some people have decided to get back on the trail. Most people haven't. Um, but it's, you know, there's still a lot of questions, um, I think out there as far as, you know, there's, there's this much, you know, this episode sort of opens up this much broader question of like, what sorts of activities are appropriate are, um, like, you know, what, how can we recreate in the outdoors during this moment? Right. Um, without like fearing for our own health, but also fearing that we might, you know, spread the disease to other people and to other communities. And there, that's a really, really difficult question. And I certainly don't have an answer here, but I hope that like this analysis of like this, like one sort of specific example of how this community uh, surrounding long distance hiking has sort of struggled to deal with this question um, is, I don't know, maybe enlightening for some people. Let's jump into it. All right, let's do it. You see this map? You know what the map is of? What? Do you know? No, I don't. It's a map of the Appalachian Trail. That's where Graham and I are going to hike. Do you see the red line? Yeah. That red line is the trail that we're going to follow. And do you see it starts right here? And it says Springer Mountain in a state called Georgia. And that's where we're going to start. And then you see that red line? Yeah. And you follow it? And it just keeps going and going and going. 
until it goes all the way, all the way, look, it goes all the way up to here. <laughs> Is that far? I'm be able to walk that far. No. I'll have to go camping. Right. So much. Yeah, that's how that's how it works. Is you go camping a lot. And how long do you think it'll take us to walk all that that far? One hundred. One hundred what? One hundred and thirty days. One hundred and thirty days. Yeah. That's like, that's not a that's not a bad estimate. It's gonna take a lot of days like that. It's gonna take a lot of days. That was my six-year-old son, Rowan, and I, recorded back in early March 2020. I was supposed to start a through-hike of the Appalachian Trail with my mom on March 27th, a trip that we had been planning for the past two years. Completing a through-hike of the Appalachian Trail has been a personal goal of mine since I was 19 and hiked a 600-mile section of the trail over summer break after my freshman year of college. Ten years later, in 2013, I introduced my mom to long-distance hiking when the two of us completed an end-to-end hike of the Long Trail in Vermont. So we made it. We did. It's the start of the trail. What do you think? You ready? Ready to hike 273 miles to Canada? I have no idea. (laughs) I'm going to take it one day at a time. We have to decide what our trail names are going to be. I know. I don't have a good name. No ideas yet? Not yet. Maybe something will come as we hike. Like the crazy woman who falls in the stream or something. (laughs) Ooh, that's a good one. I haven't fallen in the stream yet, though. It took my mom and I about a month to complete our hike of the long trail. And by the time we had finished, my mom was hooked on long distance hiking. She was ready for a more substantial challenge. And she had her sights set on the 2200 mile long Appalachian Trail. You're listening to Common Land, a podcast series produced by the Wild Lens Collective and Radio Boise. I'm Matt Podolsky. Common Land tells the creation stories behind protected areas, and you're listening to a special bonus episode, a prequel to our second season of the show, which will be focused on the Appalachian Trail, a narrow band of protected land that stretches over 2,000 miles from Georgia to Maine and descends almost every major mountain peak in the eastern United States. Do you remember me first proposing the idea of doing a long-distance hike back when Dad was sick? I do. I do. I remember it quite vividly, um, and I thought it was a fabulous idea. I had actually been thinking similar thoughts. That's the voice of Candy Podolsky, my mom, recorded a few months after we completed our hike of the Long Trail in Vermont. I had seen a documentary on the Appalachian Trail, and I thought to myself, because Your father was so sick at the time, I thought, if I was smart, that's what I would do to heal. Mm -hmm. And then you came up with the idea, and I said, yes, 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 yes. (laughs) When my mom and I started our hike of the long trail back in 2013, it had been just months since we had lost my dad to cancer. You know, in a certain sense, you know, dad is the one who, who, like, really got both of us, you know, initially interested in just getting outside, being in the outdoors and, and hiking and, Absolutely. And, and all that. He did. I had never camped before I met your father. Uh, I mean, what do you think he would have thought about this little adventure of ours? 
Well, if he had been alive when we did it, he would have been a nervous wreck. Uh, he would have been very worried about us, and we probably would have had to call him all the time. Um, but having said that, uh, you know, I think he would, in, on one hand, think we were crazy, and on the other hand, uh, being a little inspired. I mean, what what is it about an experience like this that helps overcome grief? I think that uh, when you're out in the woods, you're with yourself. Even if you're hiking with somebody else, you spend a lot of time alone. And I found after your father died that I was constantly busy. I was looking for things to distract my mind from dealing with the difficulty of losing him. You couldn't do that on the trail. You had to deal with it. You had to think about it and to mourn and then to start thinking about how to heal. Mm. Yeah, I think of it almost as um, like a form of meditation. Yes, I agree. The emotional challenges weren't the only obstacles that we faced on this trip, however. Uh, well, I was, I was trying to figure out how to get down uh, this very steep rock, but there was a little pack of mud that had a boot print on it, and I thought, oh, surely I can put my foot there. And as soon as I put my foot there, uh, I started sliding down the rock. And as I slid down the rock, that foot hit some kind of little bump in the rock, and it jolted my leg uh, in the wrong direction. And I ended up tearing my MCL. And uh, gosh, I was in shock for probably 10 minutes. I just sat there stunned, not knowing what I was going to do next. Luckily, we were only a few short miles from a road where we could hitchhike into town. However many miles it was, it was the longest and hardest part of the, of the hike. Most painful hiking I've ever done. It was terrible. We spent several months off trail while my mom rested her knee before we returned to complete our last short section of the long trail. What was it like coming back to the trail after that three or four month break? I, you know, that was the big surprise for me. I felt like I was back home. Uh, didn't expect that. And, uh, and now I get that feeling every time I go back in the woods, I feel like I'm back home. And often when I take a day hike, I wish I had a backpack so I could just stay. Um, the woods feel like home. I think it's very empowering because uh, you learn to rely on yourself. Um, and I think in this day and age, uh, people are often uh, very reliant on other, on other people and other things and computers and stoves and refrigerators. And uh, we dealt with none of that. And uh, we dealt with it well. And uh, I don't know, I, I came out of the experience not only feeling like the woods are home, but also that I feel like a stronger person because of the hike. 
what's what's our next hike going to be, Mom? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we have to do the whole Appalachian Trail. That was about six years ago that my mom set her sights on completing a through-hike of the Appalachian Trail. Since that time, while my mom has kept herself busy hiking all 48 peaks over 4,000 feet in New Hampshire, I have built a family here in Boise, Idaho. So although I've long shared this goal with my mom of through-hiking the Appalachian Trail, the prospect of leaving my son Rowan and my wife Miranda for an extended period of time is daunting. But about two years ago, my wife and I started to make a plan, and we agreed on the spring of 2020 as our start time. It's not that I don't want you to go. It's that for selfish reasons, I don't want you to go. I thought I would be mad right now. (laughs) And all all I do is try not to cry. That's the voice of my wife, Miranda. So you're not mad at me? I get it. Doesn't mean I want you to do it. (laughs) I mean, we have different goals in life, you know, like I I get I have to support yours and you support mine. But as our proposed start date at the end of March approached, an entirely unforeseen obstacle emerged. How do you feel about leaving your wife and son alone during coronavirus? I mean... Well, I don't know. I I feel like only slightly guiltier than I would have without coronavirus. How guilty were you feeling before coronavirus, though? I think a pretty healthy level of guilt was being felt. Like, if you're going to rate it 1 to 10. 6. Oh, that was much higher than I thought. Oh, what did you think I was going to say? I was going to say, like, 3. I recorded this interaction on March 14th. At this time, although we were still planning on starting our hike according to schedule, our travel plans for getting to the trailhead in Georgia had already shifted. Do we want to talk about all our plans that got canceled? The plan was for me to fly to DC on Thursday and then stay back east and meet you guys out there and do our road trip across the east coast, north to south. I would have finally gotten to see New York City, right. Central Park, the Met. I mean, the crazy thing is that like that was still the plan as of like this past Monday, like five days ago, that was still the plan. And although at the time I recorded this conversation on March 14th, my mom and I were still planning on starting our hike March 27th, these larger plans for the hike itself quickly came into question. Just three days later, I got a call from my mom. I just feel like hell. But, you know, no fever, no no breathing problems. Okay, that's good. But, oh, God, I can't, I just can't get off of the couch. It seems, it feels just, like, not right that there should be a cold going around at the same time as... Oh, my God. This coronavirus, fair. right? Right. Although, I do wonder if this could be corona, because, uh, you know, if you read, if you read about it, some people just have have a cold and yeah. i won't know because it's not like they're gonna if i don't come up with a fever and breathing problems they won't right they're not gonna so. they're never gonna give you a test yeah no so kind yeah. of a stupid setup but it's because they don't have enough tests yeah oh god yeah 
I don't know. This whole thing is starting to really freak me out. Yeah. And I probably shouldn't make this decision when I feel as crappy as I do right now, but uh, I'm starting to lean against it. Somehow it's just not feeling like the right thing to do. Yeah. But it wasn't just my mom's sickness that was pushing us towards postponing the hike. Yeah, well, like, think about this. Know. Think about the fact that I don't think anyone's going to pick us up. I don't think hitchhiking is going to be an option. Right. I didn't even think about that. The logistical concerns were mounting. Not only would it be impossible to hitchhike into the small towns that serve as resupply points along the trail, but hiker hostels, as well as many of the small country stores that provide groceries to hikers, were closing as a result of the spread of COVID-19. The hike was shaping up to be a logistical nightmare. You know, it's like it could be it could be a nightmare trying to do this hike. It could be awful. I don't want it to be awful. I don't I don't mind it being weird and eerie and but yeah. I don't want it to be awful and I'm starting to think it might just be awful. And then if I get sick on the trail, that would be awful. The healthiest thing for my for my brain would be yeah. to get on that trail. But uh, there's just so many things that are making me so incredibly nervous right now. This call with my mom took place on the morning of March 17th. Although it's clear that our concerns were mounting, we hadn't yet decided to postpone the hike. I ended this call with my mom with a promise to do some additional research on how COVID-19 was affecting hikers already on the trail. I didn't get very far in my research before an unexpected announcement came to my attention. I immediately called my mom back to share the update. Okay, well, I have an update for you. Okay. This literally just happened. Um, I'm just going to read this to you because it'll be of great interest to both of us. In a notice sent out around 1.30 p.m. Mountain Time, so less than a half hour ago, this was sent out today, the Appalachian Trail Conservancy formally requested that 2020 Appalachian Trail through hikers postpone their section hikes and through hikes due to the spread of COVID-19. Oh, God. The habits of through hikers, including congregating at shelters, around picnic tables, shuttling in vans, or staying in hostels, goes against the social distancing measures recommended by the Federal Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. <clears throat> the ATC states that they do not make this request lightly, and they're aware of the time and investment that goes into a through hike. So they released wow. it just 20 minutes ago. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm just, I'm, you know, still processing that. But, um, oh, God, we're so ready. It's terrible. I know. I know. The Appalachian Trail Conservancy is a nonprofit organization whose staff and volunteers serve as the on-the-ground managers of the Appalachian National Scenic Trail. The trail itself is a part of the National Scenic Trail System, managed by the National Park Service. But through a cooperative agreement with the Park Service, the Appalachian Trail Conservancy functions as the primary partner in a cooperative management system for the trail. So this announcement, coming from those primarily responsible for managing this 2,200-mile-long ribbon of protected land, sent shockwaves through the long-distance hiking community. But it's important to know that the Appalachian Trail Conservancy wasn't just thinking about the safety and well-being of hikers, but also of the residents of the small communities alongside the trail, which often serve as resupply points for long-distance hikers. 
the people um, in the communities. That was my biggest concern, were the people in those um, communities that could get affected um, negatively, like the older populations. My name is Tara Dower, and I hiked the Appalachian Trail with my husband, Jonathan Dower. I was known as Candy Mama on the trail. There are trail names involved when you hike on the Appalachian Trail. So I was Candy Mama, and my husband was Sheriff. Starting at the beginning of March 2020, Tara became the caretaker of the Appalachian Trailer a new bunkhouse for long-distance hikers located in Hot Springs, North Carolina, 274 miles from the southern terminus of the trail in Georgia. So it's literally like a mobile home, but it's we've like redone it to just like revamp it and make it look like a bunkhouse. Um, but literally it's like 10 feet off the trail. So essentially I saw every single hiker or through hiker that came through Hot Springs in that month of March. So a lot of people start in March. That is a popular time to start the Appalachian Trail in Georgia. Um, however, the people I was seeing um, in when I was there in March were people who started in February or January. People who have hiked through February um, in the Smokies, they are hardcore hikers and backpackers. They are like, they've seen freezing temperatures, they've seen like knee-high snow. Man, they are really dedicated to backpacking. We started in March, so we didn't have terribly cold weather, but February, man, that is freezing, so they're pretty hardcore. Um, but I was just really, really excited to start the position, and really all I wanted to do was meet every single through hiker I saw. And there wasn't really any thought, honestly, um, that it would like shut a lot of things down um, when we got there. But I think a week in, by that point, we're like, oh, this is this is getting like pretty serious. Once coronavirus started um, becoming an aspect of the trail, I thought to do the updates. Hey everyone, it is Candy Mama here. So I am back again with another through hiker interview and I have another coronavirus COVID-19 update for any through hikers, hikers, outdoorsy people out there. Especially for people who are at home, they don't know how through hikers are feeling about the whole situation. I know a lot of people that follow through hikers on YouTube, they weren't getting a lot of information from the trail and from different perspectives. So I wanted to give a perspective of um, a caretaker who's talking to a lot of through hikers and getting a lot of responses and getting a lot of different opinions about it. Through hikers kinda haven't been hearing much. I mean. If you have hiked before on the Appalachian Trail, you know you can get very isolated, especially if you don't have really great cell service. So honestly, it's kind of another world on the trail from what I've been hearing. I have not heard of anyone actually getting off the trail because of the coronavirus. You just heard the audio from a YouTube video that Tara recorded on March 16th the day before the Appalachian Trail Conservancy released the notice that put my hike and my mom's hike on pause. 
So while anyone paying attention to the news was being bombarded by updates on the spread of COVID-19, many thru-hikers on the Appalachian Trail were blissfully ignorant of this new information. Once they came out of the woods into hot springs, this was the first time they were getting any new information about the coronavirus. So it was all very new to them. Most of the times I would be like updating these hikers and you would see kind of all the emotions on their face as I was talking to them and kind of updating with them with the information and what the ATC had said. And um, during that like very short period, um, that like middle month period, um, that was kind of like what I was doing every single day. It was extremely heartbreaking. It was very sad because I know that it takes a lot of planning. Most of them have dreamed about this for years um, and something that they can't control is affecting their dream. My mom and I had been dreaming about our thru-hike for years, and we made the difficult decision to postpone our trip just hours after the Appalachian Trail Conservancy released that first notice, urging long-distance hikers to get off trail on March 17th. But I could only imagine how much more difficult this decision would have been if we were already several hundred miles into our hike. Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> our original start day was supposed to be on... April 1st. April 1st, April Fool's Day. That's Rune and Nicolina, a young couple from Denmark who aspire to through-hike the Appalachian Trail. We got the news about 6 o'clock in the morning that Trump was closing uh, the borders. Yes, yeah, so that was the 12th. Left. March yeah. 12th, yeah. It, we got really d- discouraged and we thought, okay, Dan, we're not going to go. And that was it. And there's nothing to, we, nothing we can do about it. Mm-hmm. But then I got this thought that, wait, okay, so he's saying he's going to close the borders at Friday midnight. <laughs> so I was saying, okay, what does that precisely mean? And I called up the foreign ministry in Denmark and be like, so we just got the news and we really want to go to America uh, so Friday midnight, is that between <laughs> Thursday to Friday or Friday to Saturday? And they're like, oh, it's Friday to Saturday. So I was like, okay, so if I were to go today, could I get in? The response was yes. It was technically possible to get in before the European travel ban went into effect. But this was Thursday, March 12th. So Rune and Nicolina had just a little over 24 hours to get in to the United States. We looked at tickets, found the cheapest we could find or like they, they bumped up the prices a lot like right there yeah. like we in one hour it was like 100 percent price increase she still had to finish her yeah my bachelor's, bachelor's thesis thesis yeah so he was like get on the computer and write those two pages <laughs> <laughs> and he was uh we we renting out our apartment um but yeah. of course that was from the first of april uh and this was in the middle of march um, so we didn't, we thought we still have two more weeks and we were pushing it. And then all of a sudden, okay, we need to pack this whole apartment down. Now we have 10 hours to get on the plane. After condensing two weeks of packing and planning into 10 hours, Rune and Nicolina were headed towards the United States. I was trying to Google, uh, you Europeans entering America in quarantine because I thought that as soon as we can't come to Florida, that's going to be guys in like yellow suits who's going <sighs> to check us for symptoms and then yeah. put us into separate rooms for like 14 days <laughs> because that was what we were, we yeah, were told. Like there is an 80% chance that you're going to 
go into isolation as soon as you touch the country. It was so like there was no problem at all. We got through the immigration officer at the airport. He was just like, "So what are you planning on doing?" We're like, "Well, we actually want to go hike." And he thought that it was more crazy that we wanted to hike than for us to travel. Short, long story short, <laughs> our starting date ended up being the fifteenth of March. Yeah. March fifteenth. Yeah. While Rune and Nicolina's last-minute scramble to get into the U.S. ahead of the European travel ban may seem a bit irresponsible or even selfish as we look back on it, it's important to remember how much the world has changed since March 12th. It's also important to note that before the Appalachian Trail Conservancy's announcement on March 17th, many aspiring thru-hikers, myself included, were convinced that the spread of coronavirus wouldn't impede their trip. We heard like a few days prior to that us starting. There was like seventy people that had started. Like Friday, I think seventy or fifty people, people had started. like started. We didn't really think that COVID was gonna hit the trail as bad. So as we were there, we were just kind of like, you know, of course taking it one day at a time. But still, your mindset is going into this being like, now I'm out here and I'm gonna do this. We got the email that uh, that told hikers to postpone their hike. Mm. Um, so that was kind of like the conversation around the fire of how people, like, how do you respond to that? Um, like, are you still, do you still want to through hike or are you going to listen to the ATC and postpone your hike? Tara Dower, a.k.a. Candy Mama, shares her reaction to the March 17th statement from the Appalachian Trail Conservancy. For a lot of people, when I when they read that and when um, I read that, there was still hope. Like, people were still hoping that they could continue on. This first notice from the Appalachian Trail Conservancy on March 17th initiated a debate within the long-distance hiking community. It was an intense place to be. It was a lot of, um, I, I talk about it in one video, but it was a very uh, toxic situation. I would rather have in, uh, intense discussions about politics and religion <laughs> than I would talk about coronavirus. That was really the feeling. Like That became, that became the subject that no yeah. one wanted to talk about on trail. Um, we were on trail. How many, first of all, you need to figure out how many days were we on trail. We were on trail from the 15th. 12 and, days. And we got off, yeah, we got off the, the 27th. 27th. We crossed the border to North Carolina, uh, made the 100 mile, um, made it to that, and then came into Franklin. That was when we got the news that Smoky Mountains had closed, like the park. By the time that Rune and Nicolina had made their decision to get off trail, the debate surrounding thru-hiking during the time of COVID-19 had intensified. Here's a segment from the YouTube video that Tara Dower posted on March 24th. I will quote this. This is straight from the Appalachian Trail 2020 Facebook group moderator. Quote, notice to members, it seems apparent that the Appalachian Trail 2020 hiking season is a bust due to COVID-19. In recent days, we have been thanked by harassment, threats, and abuse around the clock. We have spent hours dealing with squabbles, needless reported posts, etc., I never imagined the level of hatred and abuse that hikers were capable of towards one another. I am shocked and disappointed. 
I understand the anger and frustration, but enough is enough. Those of you who are still on the trail need to go home, end quote. You guys know my view, like I do feel like a lot of them should go home. But then again, I'm hearing what they're having to say and it breaks my heart because uh, many of them have nowhere to go. They have put their lives on hold uh, and sold a lot of things, including their home, um, and just to make through hiking a possibility. And then I remember one of my last interviews with Nahamsha and she had gotten a lot of attention for um, her video. She was already pretty popular on social media on YouTube. Um, so a lot of people were um, seeing her videos and she delayed her videos. So um, she'd post a video like a week later. Um, so people were seeing she was still on trail. She wasn't even talking about the coronavirus and people got so mad at her and were being so toxic and just so mean. So what kind of comments have you gotten about you hiking? I know that um, you have told me a little bit about that, but what mm -hmm. kind of comments have you gotten? A lot of people have seemed to just copy and pasted the ATC's recommendation to get off trail. Mm -hmm. Like I've never seen it before. Yeah. But obviously I know um, what the ATC is saying, uh -huh. but I'm still getting a lot of positive comments mm -hmm. of people saying like, keep pushing, like you got this. So I want to say it's like half and half mm -hmm. at the moment. Um, some people are very strongly opinionated yeah. either way. Yeah, especially but, online. <laughs> yeah, people are just telling me to get off trail, but it's easier said than done. Like, yeah. I still live thousands of miles away. Right, right. And I can't just hop in a car and go home. Like, it takes planning. Yeah. I don't, there's places I don't want to go, like airports and shuttles, and everything's a risk. Taylor, a.k.a. New Hampshire Hiker, couldn't have said this better. Everything is a risk. Hundreds of people had already begun their through hikes by the time the Appalachian Trail Conservancy started recommending that folks get off trail. And in order to follow these recommendations, hikers were forced to put themselves at greater risk to get back home. Although Taylor hadn't yet decided if she would get off trail at the time that this interview was recorded, she made the difficult decision to postpone her hike very soon afterwards. Hey y'all, I just left uh, New Hampshire hiker or Taylor at the airport, literally right here. Um, it was really sad to watch her go, but I knew it was the right decision for her and her family. So she is off the trail and she's back with her family, um, quarantining themselves. Just, it's sad seeing people get off and I was rooting for her and it's just really sad. Just a few days after Tara dropped New Hampshire hiker off at the airport, she had another difficult update to share on her YouTube channel. We have um, closed down. That was a decision we made, um, me and my manager, Lindsay, and Jennifer, the owner of Blue Ridge Hiking Company, we made that decision after getting a call from Madison County 911 saying that they're putting in a recommendation of shelter in place. So because of that and because of this new ATC article, we have decided to shut down the bunkhouse. If I was advocating for people to get off trail, it didn't seem right for me to also be housing all these hikers. Even though I really wanted to, I really wanted to help them. It just didn't seem, I felt conflicted. I wanted to help them, but I also wanted them to kind of think critically about their decision. 
While the March 17th notice sent out by the Appalachian Trail Conservancy that I've mentioned several times encouraged through hikers to postpone their hikes, a much more strongly worded notice was sent out on March 31st. Because I think they realized like, all right, we need to start telling these people, get off trail. And they sent out one saying, we will not count your through hike if you have continued on from this period. We will not count your through hike. We will not send you a certificate. We are not considering you a 2,000 miler if you get to that point. Um, and that was kind of like, okay, now they're super serious about this and they want people to get off trail. The day after this notice was sent out to through hikers and other trail users, the Appalachian Trail Conservancy took another, even more dramatic step to slow the spread of COVID-19. On April 1st, the Appalachian Trail Conservancy formally requested a temporary closure of the entire Appalachian Trail. This formal request was sent to the Department of the Interior, the government agency that oversees the National Park Service, which is responsible for the management of the Appalachian Trail's protected land. Although the agency hasn't yet responded to the Appalachian Trail Conservancy's request, it's clear that the ATC doesn't want anyone on trail. So right now, we are still in North Carolina. We have family here. So we are staying with some family. From the people I followed, it's, it's, I mean, all of them are off. Everyone that was following, everyone that was um, staying at the bunkhouse, um, they're all off. But while some hikers have already reset their sights on a 2021 through hike, others refuse to give up on the 2020 hiking season. The mindset we had was if we stay here, maybe we have still a, chance. a chance to just do parts of the trail, like section hike, some parts of the trail. After Rune and Nicolina got off trail on March 27th, a fellow through hiker and her husband reached out with a very generous offer. So yeah, so he was so kind to let us stay here like for free and they actually also cook us dinner once in a while. It's just like, they're such nice people. I'm so grateful. Um, so we've just been so lucky so far that so many people have been reaching out and trying to help out. It's with been the situation. kindness of people during these times. Because like, so just... many people are talking about how awful everyone is online. And that is true. If you go into Facebook groups, people yeah, are going to be media, social media. awful. But I've been so lucky that only really nice people have been reaching out to me. Mm-hmm. After hearing about all the contention and nastiness that has spread throughout the long-distance hiking community online... It was extremely refreshing to hear about the kindness that Rune and Nicolina have experienced. Like your own kind of family here that can help you out now because we got here and we had nothing. I mean, mm-hmm. we didn't know anyone in the like proximity of the trail. And now I feel like we know people like who lives all along the trail who's mm-hmm. been like, oh, if you get stuck here, I can come pick you up. So it's definitely a completely different situation for us yeah. at least. And over the past few weeks, Rune and Nicolina have been developing a plan with the family they've been staying with to get back on trail. The family here owns an RV. Rick, who's not hiking, he will meet us at least once a week in, uh, at trailheads with the RV and he will help us do resupply stuff so we don't have to come in contact with a lot of people and mm-hmm. also we don't have to sleep at hostels. Like we can get a roof over our head and a warm bed just by sleeping at in the RV like that, which makes us it gives us like a safety net and also gives us uh, the peace of mind to do these things and not put anyone at risk and not do anything stupid. Here's a clip from the video that Rune and Nicolina posted on their YouTube channel on April 25th. 
Hi there! Welcome to Tina, our safety for the beginning of this through hike and possibly all of it actually. Come on in, let me show you around. Tina is this amazing RV that pretty much did themselves. Like all the details, they chose, they chose everything in here, like all the colors, how things are looking and stuff like that. So it's completely pimped out with everything. And yes, Tina is named Tina because of the llama from Napoleon Dynamite. Um, it's going to be interesting here in May 1st because if you and are still on the AT Facebook group, yeah, it seems group, like a lot of people are getting back. There's a lot back of uh, people planning on going back May 1st, actually. Yeah. This, despite the fact that the Appalachian Trail Conservancy continues to strongly discourage anyone, whether day hikers or through hikers, from getting onto the trail. So, what will happen when Rune, Nicolina, and other through hikers get back on trail May 1st? Clearly, this conversation is far from over, as government agencies, partner organizations responsible for on-the-ground management, and hikers themselves weigh their options. But one thing is clear. This season, the Appalachian Trail will see visitation rates far lower than any other time in recent history. The fact that the trail is getting a year to... All trails, I mean, all trails are getting a chance to revive and replenish and thrive um, is really exciting. Like there's not going to be this huge impact um, of through hikers on the trail. I love through hikers and I love the community. I love, I want people to get out there, but it's also exciting that the trails actually get a chance to, you know, replenish again and the impact not to be so intense this year. So that is a positive out of all of this. We concluded our first season of Common Land by highlighting the uncertainty associated with this current moment in history. While our climate crisis is the driving force behind the uncertainty that we referenced in season one of the show, we now have another crisis to contend with. And this new crisis that has emerged over the spread of COVID-19 is not separate from the climate crisis, but is interwoven, complicating the task of fighting for a stable climate and a stable future for humanity and our planet. But our current situation also presents us with an opportunity, an opportunity to learn from our collective societal reaction to this pandemic. So let's be kind to one another, listen to the perspectives of others, and work together to develop new ideas for managing our protected lands during this time of overlapping crises. Common Land is a production of the Wild Lens Collective and Radio Boise. This episode was produced by myself, your host, Matt Podolsky. A huge thank you to all of our guests for opening up and sharing their very personal stories about the Appalachian Trail. My mom, Candy, my wife, Miranda, my son, Rowan, as well as Tara Dower, Rune Raven, and Nicolina Haman. Music is by Like a Rocket, Ragged Coyote, and Greg Willis. Check out our website at commonlandpodcast.com to see a full list of credits, including links to Tara and Rune's YouTube channels, as well as my short documentary, On the Trail, about my 2013 long trail hike. 